Welcome to Walk with the Wise, along with First Presbyterian Church of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where you'll find a joyful community on our way to becoming mature human beings that go back out to love our crazy world. I'm Pastor Dan Snyder, and I'm here, as always, with Andy Kindig. Hey, Dan. Welcome back to another episode of Walk with the Wise. Just a reminder for you all to share, subscribe, find out more information about this podcast and First Presbyterian Church at fpclancasterpa.org. And today's episode, Dan... We have another familiar face of the Lancaster area. We do, another community leader. We're here today with Reverend Dr. Steve Verkow, who's the pastor at Grace Lutheran Church uh, in Lancaster. Steve, your church is on the corner of James and Queen. Queen and James, right? we usually James. say. Queen oh, and James. I said it backwards. Yeah, you said it backwards. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great right there in the heart of the city. And uh, today we're going to get to uh, hear some uh, some really interesting... We uh, Just recently, um, we were a site for the uh, Lancaster Climate Summit, and um, you were, and we got to uh, uh, be the site where we talked about water. And I heard about a fascinating project that your church just did, Steve. Uh, you had some building that you needed to do, and then you stretched a little bit. So tell us how that all came about and what that project was. Fill in the blanks for us. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for hosting that. Uh, that was a great day. Oh, it was for, a, uh, for it was a great Earth time. Day, Earth Day weekend. The thing, um, the thing up there at Grace Church really started with our historic building, which for you Lancaster architecture buffs was designed by Cassius Emlyn Urban, C. Emlyn Urban, the famous Lancaster Cassius. architect. Yeah, that's his name. I, I, never, knew that, that's what the I never knew that's what the C yeah. story C. Point, C. <clears throat> Cassius yeah. Emlyn Urban. Anyway, he's, he's Lancaster's famous architect. Uh, many of the great landmark buildings in Lancaster were, were his designs and commissions. Um, and our pastor at the time, who was another <laughs> C. Elvin Haupt, Charles Elvin Haupt, oh, wow. was the pastor of Grace from 1880 to 1920, a 40-year ministry. Wow. Um, Grace, wow. Was, Grace was founded by Trinity Lutheran Church, our mother church mm-hmm. of uh, the Lancaster County Lutheran early immigration back in the, in the 1700s. They fight about how far back, but... Yeah. Uh, Maybe they even duke it out with First Presbyterian or First Reformed. Oh, about we're who, always yeah. fighting about who's been here longest <laughs> down here. But anyway, uh, in the mid-1800s, they were interested in in starting Sunday schools uh, at the further edges of the city, oh, and, right. and James Street was that was that kind of boundary line. So that was the frontier. It was the frontier. There were farms, you know, not far up Liberty Street. That was still farmland. Right. The trains had the train line had come through, and when Lexter was kind of reaching from the square up to the the train station in those years. And uh, so the neighborhood Sunday school started in 1855. The church was built in 1874. And Dr. Haupt started in 1880 and by kind of the late 1890s realized they needed a new church um, and a bigger church because the, the, the Lutherans were, were thick on the ground in North Lancaster. <laughs> and so he commissioned uh, Lancaster's finest architect. Dr. Haupt reached there and, and uh, built this beautiful neo-Gothic structure. It's one of Lancaster's first steel buildings. Oh, no with, kidding. Yeah, with yeah. steel. And and Hummelstown brownstone, that's our signature sort of look, that, that brownstone, kind of yeah. like the old Lutheran Wartburg Castle. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah. Go that's back true. to Germany. So this building, this old building sits right on the corner, and we are renovating, well, we were renovating back in 2018, 19, the plans were getting finalized to totally redo the basement, figure out how to get an elevator up to our balcony, down to the basement, ground level, handicap access, easy access, finally. 
That was not a concern of C.M. Linervin. No, it was not. Uh, yeah, architects of the <laughs> century earlier. But we going about that process, we had to had to dig out from the church, the old foundation, underpin it, and build this new, we call it a solarium. It's really the elevator entrance. That took a big bite out of our childcare playground. We had to rip all that up. And we had told the architect and the engineer, you know, we're, we're concerned about stormwater. Now, why would we be concerned about stormwater? Yeah, how did you that... Your listeners want to know? How'd that start? Yeah, this absolutely. Is this is a huge thing in it Lancaster, uh, and this kind of ties in with Earth Day and all the reasons we were here. Lancaster, an old colonial city... Uh, was built and started to build out before they really understood what's in sewage. Mm -hmm. I think they knew it was bad at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I think they also put it on the fields and collected it. And, right. you know, but they, they built, a, they eventually figured out it's not good to have this stuff here. They built um, built a sewer and they, they basically allowed the septic system to coexist with the stormwater runoff system. And as the city built and put that stuff underground, they never really separated those two things. Mm. You know, it's just throw it in the river and let it go downstream. And basically, the impact probably in those days wasn't terrible. Sure. You know, for the people, let's say, down in, you know, where, wherever they were, in Peckway or right. you know, further down the river in Haver de Grace, you know, are they really, do they really care what's coming down from upstate New York? Did, they, did it matter? Was the bay affected? I don't, I don't really know. I don't claim to know, but I think it was easy enough for those folks to say, yeah, we're, we're caring for a creation by getting rid of this dirt mm -hmm. and letting, the, letting nature flush it away. Well, yeah. now we know how, you know, as, as the population has exploded and the amount of both the toxins from, from sewage and also just from the cars and the oil and all the stuff that runs in the stormwater, yeah. you know, that's, that's putting a big load on the Conestoga River and the Susquehanna River and the Chesapeake Bay. And we're aware of that. The federal government's aware of that. Pennsylvania's aware of uh, that through the fines and the, um, the consequences that are coming our way from the Environmental Protection Agency. And that's probably too much to go into for this podcast, but f maybe there's show notes and you can help people sure. understand <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, how Lexer's facing fairly significant economic consequences and mm -hmm. mandates. So we basically the upshot is we have a sewer treatment plant that can handle our sewer load on days when there isn't any rainwater. But on about 40 to 50 days a year, when there's too much rainwater to, you know, to get through the sewer treatment plant and allow it to treat the sewage, allow the, the output from the sewage treatment plant to be legal, that, that just overflows. The pumping stations divert it right into the Conestoga directly. Wow. So stormwater for this city, you know, where that old system still exists, that is a real focal point for cleaning up. And so you see um, just all kinds of strategies for getting stormwater out of that sewage system, stopping it before it even runs in there. The, the, we've got rain gardens in the streets. People mm -hmm. are putting in permeable paving, rooftop gardens. Um, Live Green Lancaster, that was an initiative. Mm -hmm. uh, Fritz, Fritz Schroeder, he's now with the Conservancy, yeah. the new, yeah. new guy there. But Fritz had a long history in like, helping encourage people to do friendlier things to the river. By, uh, by catching your stormwater. Hey, you know, mom and pop kids, everybody's got a rain barrel in their backyard. At least everybody knows somebody who's got a rain barrel. Taking right. one downspout out of the picture, you know, one step at a time, that's what they're encouraging us to do. So Grace Church thought, how can we do that? We've got an opportunity. We're digging up our playground. And just to give you a visual, Grace Church is a big peaked slate roof. Mm -hmm. uh, and half of that, the north side of it, runs into three big downspouts, nice old beautiful copper downspouts oh, that yeah. run right under that playground and right into a pipe that takes it right down to Christian Street into the sewer. Yeah. 
and we we had an opportunity there. And we had told the architect we'd like to maximize our you know stormwater impact. But basically, they 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 took that as a um, a value engineering challenge. And really? what that means is when you, when you do a renovation, you gotta you get a bid. They say the bid, and then you say, well, let the engineers look at this idea and value engineer it. In other words, make it cheaper. Right. How can we do what we're doing yeah. cheaper? And they just assumed, what's the least the church has to do and the cheapest way to conform to the city mandates? And we were taking a little bit of green space away, putting a new roof over it, so we had to offset that with some some way of, of catching some stormwater. Rather than understanding us to say, we'd like to maximize our actual stormwater impact and do good, they took it completely the way that they always do. Yeah. So lesson one from, from for your listeners, a little bit of wisdom that I learned in this was be real clear uh, about what your goals are, especially when they're coming up against kind of we've always done it some other way. There's always right, some other pattern. Right. So they were they were just yeah, assuming you're a church, you're poor, you don't have a lot of money thrown around. Right, this isn't a big yeah. capitalist company or something that's yep, gonna spend yeah. a lot of money. We want you, we want to minimize, let you do ministry with your money and not construction. Mm-hmm. As if Ecology isn't ministry. Well, yeah, and so but we tried to make that assuming. clear. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, no, no, not pointing any fingers, just yeah. saying the process, oh, the process was, you have to be clear. So we got clearer about it. We said, no, nah, we don't like the way this, this isn't doing much of anything. This mm-hmm. is kind of a wash. We've got an opportunity to take these downspouts out of the picture. We're never going to dig this up again for another 20, 30 years, so now's the time to do it. Too bad, now we have to rush. We couldn't get grants. Oh, um, no, no time for it. The playground was dug up, so we 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 said, "How much will it cost to to reengineer this?" So they gave us a number, five grand, something like that. So we paid the engineer to to uh, start knocking on the doors of the city and saying, "How much water can we actually just put into the ground?" You know, you just make a make a basin and let it let it let the earth drink it mm-hmm. back to the aquifer. And that brings up another interesting Laxter thing. Uh, our geology is, you've heard about sinkholes. Maybe your listeners have had a, driving along the road one day an experience with a sinkhole open up or a, a road that says, uh, local traffic only. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had right. one on Duke Street not long ago, although yeah. that was maybe related to some underground construction long ago. But yep. we have this karst geology that creates, um, it's, it's fertile ground for sinkholes. So they're, mm-hmm. they're pretty careful about that, especially in a built environment like the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to create a sinkhole by introducing a lot of water right next to a building. Well, guess what we're right next to? The Lancaster General Hospital's Bad nine-story place parking garage. <laughs> to have a sinkhole open up. <laughs> Actually, I think the uh, the city engineers thought that thing is, is those footers are sunk so deep, they're on the bedrock. So yeah. they're, they're down okay. below where sinkholes happen. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's why uh, they're letting, they let us, actually, I don't know the ratio, but they let us max out what you could put. They let us go above the normal regulation about oh, wow. the amount of volume of water we could introduce. So we ran the pipe under the playground, under our driveway, which was also getting resurfaced and dug up and, mm-hmm. and uh, into the backyard of our tenant of a little home that's right next to our church office building. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. it's not that deep. It's surprising how much water. It, I think they dug down six or eight feet, put down a layer of big, big rocks, then they cover it with smaller rocks and some mesh and some stuff to keep the soil from from uh, sinking down in mm. there. And that, that whole roof now drains right that into the That sounds so just, simple. Just dro- drops down in. Yeah. Real simple. Yeah. You know, you need a little bit of green space to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we asked, well, can we, can we run some 
leaders off our education building. How much of this can we put in there? And, and uh, the engineer was like, no, 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 take it easy. That's, that's down the road. <laughs> yeah. But uh, good, good effort. So we, we went to the congregation and said, look, we know, we, we said this is what the cost of the renovation. Who's, you know, can we add $30,000 to the project? And somebody raised their hand at the meeting and said, I pledge 10. Who was, who's with me? Uh, and so we we're gradually after that ten, we got some other thousand to twenty five hundred dollar pledges. And uh, after about two years, the the leadership voted just to put the balance back on our on our loan balance, and with you know, oh, very good. Call, call it you know, call it paid for. Mm-hmm. So now we're looking at the next phase. We've been um, we've been talking to lots of other organizations and people through that project. We got introduced to folks that are working on this stormwater issue. All around the county, sure. uh, not just in the city, but all around the county. So, anyway, that's maybe more than you wanted to know about <laughs> no, the stormwater it, project. But it's important to understand it is. how how much of an impact that has. So, our our pro, our project saves about one hundred and twelve thousand gallons a year of stormwater. You know, rain barrels fifty five gallons. So, how right. many times does that fill up and let out? That gives you some idea of the scale of it. It's a big roof, and all this water runs right back down into the ground. Yep. Like you said, back down into yeah, eventually down, yeah, down into the aquifer where it yeah. you know gets pumped out again, I guess, by those farmers that have the big <laughs> circling sprayers out. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it needs to get replenished somehow. And you know, in the city, very little water makes it down. Mm-hmm. It just all heads to the river and heads to the bay and has to get cycled back in. Yeah, that's just remarkable. Clouds. Yeah. Yeah, it, it sounds like you had some people in your congregation for whom this was already an interest and a passion, and then the rest of the congregation, it gave you the opportunity to introduce this information and vision to a, a broader audience within your congregation and probably beyond. Yeah. So, like, what were, what were some of those things? Did you The ways that you saw that grow for the people in your church community, uh, what impact did it have on their own personal yeah uh, well it's hard in the city you know churches out in the countryside they can talk about the farming Mm -hmm. and they can talk about the connection with nature and the creation and everything but when you're church in the city you're you're sort of overwhelmed with the human need yeah Uh, you know the the focus tends to be you know folks that are homeless people that are food insecure people that are having crisis situations addiction mental health issues all that stuff that gets kind of you know folks know Mm-hmm. What are you worrying about when you come into the city? What 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 human problems tend to accumulate in cities? It's not uh, what's growing in your garden, <laughs> right? <laughs> what yeah, plants right. are there on your property? Um, yeah. Usually, there's very little room for anything other than maybe some sidewalk trees. Yeah, maybe there's a little lawn where your sign is, some ground cover. Yep. So it, it's it takes some effort to turn attention to that, but you know, I think the reality is. For this upcoming generation, more than ever, thinking about the world as God's creation, thinking about the world in, in the terms of of stewarding the world, you know, this is a, compared to when I was a kid or when you were kids, you know, I grew up in the, in the 70s, we did talk about nuclear stuff. <laughs> there was the nuclear yeah. problem. Yeah. There was pollution, chemical right. pollution. right. But, you know, we've got climate change now. We've got all kinds of other layers of that. And for young people, if you're not concerned as a church about the world, about the physical world, about the built world, about how we're taking care of it, they kind of like, they think, I think, you know, you don't, you haven't gotten it yet. Yeah. You know? yeah. 
Yeah, they really think you don't care about them. So yeah, it's very important for us. It was important for me and for some of our other leaders to say we we have to be facing the world with a a concern for the world. We have to be facing this next generation um, with an understanding that that's what we hear you, and we're with we we hear too. We we know the need. We understand the need. So we're not just talking about it, trying to do something that that says, well, what can we do? What what can we as a city church really do? Yeah. You can change your habits at home, you know, if you're if you're mowing a lot of grass or if you're throwing a lot of single-use plastic away and mm-hmm. things like that. We can harp about those things in the newsletter, give people tips on living greener. We do that. But mm-hmm. what can we do as a community, as a congregation, with our common resources right here? Well, it turned out we could have a pretty big impact. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if every building like ours could take half of its stormwater out of that, hundred and twelve thousand. That's what you said. One hundred and twelve thousand gallons. Well, they tell me there's forty three inches of rain in an average year in Lancaster. Okay. So the math after that is pretty easy to do because you yeah. just calculate yeah. the square footage of the roof and how much rain falls on that. And boy, and, uh, just imagining all of that running down the street. Yeah. A one inch, down a one inch rainfall. Yep. Which is you know a short thunderstorm or mm-hmm. sometimes or I mean evening of thunderstorms. Depend how hard the rain's falling. Yeah, um, that's about uh, what did I say? That's about twenty six hundred gallons. Okay. So, where, wow. where, when's the last time you spilled twenty six hundred gallons of sewage? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you figure that's what's happening because that's yeah. mixing with all the sewage that's in the pipe, and it's just right. going out to the yeah. to the Conestoga. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It sounds like a big thing that you're starting to do is you know, stewarding is through education, just even making people realize what's happening. Like that's a big thing is that if you, you don't sit and think about it. Well, the church leaders at first, they were, they were, you know, we need to bring this project in. Guess what? We thought it'd be 1.2 million and the low bid was 1.7. And after the project was done, it was 2.4. So change orders keep happening, you know, regulations, um, people get ideas. Oh, how about another closet? And, Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, at first there was some pushback, as there had been pushback on the whole project from the beginning or the scope of it. So yeah. project creep is real. Yep. You know, where do we, there's all, you know, you know, it's like when you paint one wall in your house and then all of a sudden the other three walls look like they need paint too. And maybe That's the right. ceiling. Then yeah. <laughs> Carpet, furniture. You start fixing things yeah. up and it just, just keeps going. So there was a little bit of pushback. This is a significant amount of money. This is $30,000. This is half a year's worth of mortgage payments. Right. Um, you know, on a, th- on a, on a 25 year loan, uh, for what we had borrowed. Mm-hmm. So are we going to do this or not? Well, why, why should we do this? Why is this important? And it's amazing how much, um, how much ignorance there was of the actual problem. I, I think it gets some press and there's maybe been more press about it because of the economic consequences on the city. The tax burden is being shared through the stormwater fees now for people who use the Lancaster County. You know, if you're going to take water into your house, you're going to have to put it through the system, and then right. that's all part of the impact. So they're assessing yeah. that fee. And you can get part of that fee waived if you make serious efforts to mitigate your runoff. Mm-hmm. So that that became a way of talking about, yes, this isn't. we're part of a whole system of incentives that's growing and deeper understanding that's growing. But what was really neat was to see how then it, it started branching out. The concern for creation that was expressed in the stormwater problem, the very specific problem, how can we shrink our impact? Yeah on that problem came into, well, what other things are happening here? Well, we do have some green spaces. We have some border gardens. We've got some burning bushes. What's wrong with burning bushes? They're so pretty in the fall. What's well, one of the most <laughs> invasive plants? It's actually, I believe now, it's illegal in Pennsylvania. No to kidding. To sell burning bushes at the nursery. Wow, anymore. wow. 
they completely take over the understory of forest canopies and they spread. The problem with these plants is they spread with the birds. The birds love the berries. Oh, the yeah. birds fly off to the yeah. forest. <clears throat> they they do what yeah. they do. They digest yeah. the berries and the seeds are designed to come out intact and, and fall down and grow. So you can go places in County Park where burning bushes are, are you know, all of a sudden growing in the middle of the forest. And those bushes are not native and so they don't there's a whole lesson on, you know, what is, what's the problem with invasive species? It's just a plant. Why can't any plant grow there? Well, none of the bugs like it. Nobody knows how to make a home in it. Nobody, mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything. It just takes, it just crowds out all the other stuff that all yeah. of the local flora and fauna need. Yeah. So we, we ripped out, you know, that was an easy one. You go to the Lancaster Conservancy <laughs> website and look at the top 10 yeah. invasive species and burning bushes like at the top. So we're like, wow, that's, that's a shocker. <laughs> we should take those gigantic burning bushes out. What go. are we going to put in? What would, well, what do the butterflies want? What do the bees want? What do the other, uh, what do the birds need? So we have some red buds and we have some dogwoods and so we have some like lower, I'm not a plant expert, but you know, all of the stuff growing there, the perennials and the, the, yeah. And the, yeah. The kind of little plants that come back every spring and every summer, we sort of staged it so it'll be pretty all year long. Right. Not yeah, ha- not right. require too much maintenance. So that it, our gardeners got involved, and the, the people who love their gardeners at home are like, "Oh wow, I could take care of my my church. I'm I'm living out my faith in this in this way." We also uh, we really spruced up our memorial garden waterfall, and we took one of those gutters that we one of those downspouts we weren't allowed to put into the uh, the rock basin. Oh. And we directed it into the to the waterfall, and we expanded our waterfall, our water oh, wow. feature How from creative. from like 100 gallons to 350 gallons. Mm-hmm. So now it can absorb all the rain from a big a big <laughs> rainstorm. The pump still works when it's half full. Yeah, but if we get a big rainstorm, we can take 150 gallons of water, you know, a couple hundred gallons of water out of that. Wow. Out of the system so, now, if it if it rains for three days, you know, it's going to overflow and. Yeah, you just got playful. It sounds like you're. Yeah. Your congregation, it gave them that. permission to just right. see what else we can do and, and broaden it. And when we're talking about broadening, um, you were bringing up um, at your workshop the connection with the Chesapeake. You know, in mm-hmm. the beginning, you talked about how the early designers of the infrastructure said, oh, we'll just send it down and it's probably good. And uh, I remember the days in, I grew up in the 70s as well. And my dad and I would change the oil in the driveway and, you know, flush the antifreeze. Yeah. <laughs> it would be terrible. Actually, we lived stuff. upstate yeah. New York, so that probably found its way down here to Lancaster eventually. But, um, you know, your congregation got connected to a bigger, our, the bigger vision of the Chesapeake Bay, uh, you know, the interfaith partners for the Chesapeake. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's uh, something you introduced me to. Well, I called them up because uh, the city engineer at the time, said, you ought to, you know, you ought to look for a grant, help you do this. Mm-hmm. So who should I call? Okay, well, try to call IPC. Call Jody down there. They they administer, you know, grant money. That's what they do. So I called, and she's like, well, you know, you're already underway. The thing about grants is you have to apply, you know, you have to present, present a design. You oh, that's to, good to know. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but I'm as glad we, you did this first so that yeah. we can learn all your lessons. Well, here, I'll give you the, the down and dirty <laughs> story. Here's what happened. I called Jody. She's like, sorry, uh, this is really short short version. Sorry, we don't have any money, but you can be on a task force. <laughs> <laughs> so a we have a Lancaster task County force. Task Force, and we do. Uh, it's a wonderful people. I've met a great crowd of, of um, folks from different denominations, a lot of, of Mennonites here in Lancaster, just on the ground. And so it's no surprise that... 
uh, those folks who are really connected culturally to the land, even if they're in the city, they're thinking they're all descendants of farmers and they're thinking about economic, um, I mean, environmental impacts and the economics of that. So right. uh, there are a number of folks from um, Mennonite congregations in the area. And I, and I did get on that task force and then COVID hit and then we were, mm-hmm. we, we created a water, a water walk back in the COVID year for water week, a water walk for water week. And yeah created some stations that people could just visit with their families, walk around um, without masks on, you know, and, and hit the QR code when they got to that sign and uh-huh. learn about the Grace Project or learn about yeah. Community Mennonites' um, permeable parking lot and, and stormwater thing they were doing over there, or F&M's project that they, all those wildflower meadows that they planted out yeah. there behind the stadium. It was yeah, a way of sense. trying to raise awareness that way. But yeah, we didn't get any grant money out of that. I found myself in the backyard of East Chestnut Mennonite Street during the pandemic on a hot like August thing. And we ran around the, you know, ran around the refreshment stand afterwards. They said, you know, tell something about yourself, about why you're here. And I said, (laughs) I went to IPC looking for a grant and now I'm pulling somebody's invasive weeds out of some other church's (laughs) garden. I don't know what the path was from here to there, but, (laughs) but you know, it's been really fun to meet people and, and that's the kind of work doing that kind of work together. Right. Being in together, right. creating that's, community. That's a great community of people to be. Uh, yeah, so people are pulling that, pulling out the weeds, pulling out the bad stuff. Yeah, that was that was uh, what I in, enjoyed about the climate summit was the mm-hmm. connection of people that are very interested. I think I walked away with a statistic from very early in the morning that in Lancaster County, I think the number was uh, over sixty percent of mm-hmm. people that are already very on board with this kind of stuff. So it, like we have the momentum going in our direction. Already. Right. It's a bipartisan, it should be certainly a bipartisan issue. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you know, there's always reasons to, to polarize around things, right. but it's something that's an intergenerational issue. It's, it's something that is easy to get people united on and yeah. focused on and working on together. So it's yeah. been fun to go out on tree plantings through other organizations that mm-hmm. I've met through this work, the Alliance for the Chesapeake, to invite members of our congregation to get engaged yeah. with um, those efforts because it branches out beyond the city to all the tributaries. If you look at the map of Lancaster County and try to find a layer that shows you the waterways, the geology of Lancaster is just really, it's really beautiful and fascinating. you got the river hills down there where the, the canyons and the Tuckwan Glens and Kelly yeah. Run and those kind of waterways. But, yeah. but up into the flatlands where it's the really great farming land, they're full of streams too. Right. The problem is those streams have been you know, denatured. They're, they've become farm runoff trenches. Mm-hmm. All of the overstory, the overplants are gone. That makes the bugs disappear. That makes the trout disappear because the water gets too warm. It's not kept cool by the shade. So you've got this effort all through the county, and there's lots of funding available. Um, if there are any farmers listening that say, oh, I love, my, I love that view. I can see I can see my neighbors over there, see what they're doing, see when the laundry goes out or whatever. <laughs> you know, that's, that's got to change. We've got to have these unobstructed views obstructed yeah. again by, right. uh, by, by trees and, and shrubs, and they call them the riparian buffers. Yes. That yeah, I learned that keep. phrase, riparian, yeah. riparian buffers. Yeah, that, <gasps> that, that is amazing. And it, and it was astonishing to me uh, that Pennsylvania is number two in the nation for mileage of waterways. That number one is Alaska, which you'd ima- you would imagine <laughs> because it's yeah. so big. But number two, like we have so much yeah. uh, so many waterways. Yeah. yeah, you know, little chickies, little so, kind of stuff. So there's a lot of work to do, 
There's a lot your, of work to do, and there's a lot stuff. of education to do, right. and there's a lot that people of faith can do because these these folks yeah. are a lot of folks in Lancaster County are engaged in faith communities. Right. So as as congregations and and church leaders, lay leaders, and pastors. Uh, start raising this issue. There's there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of quote low hanging fruit. You know the old cliche. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite lines is you know, a little cartoon my friend used to have in her office. She said, "I'm tired of this low hanging fruit. I'm going to find me some slow moving meat." <laughs> but whatever it is, whatever you whatever you like to pick or to hunt, uh, there there are those things by analogy to do for the environment. There are lots of projects to yeah to um, yeah. Well, and I I've in my work with the conservancy too and getting to know them yeah. it's the same thing there's things for everybody mm-hmm. there's the people that want to go out and dig a hole for a tree there's the people that want to pull things there's the people that want to go out and raise money there's you know the, every every skill from every skill set yeah. can go towards environmentally and making our environment better right you know and right. the, just like people downtown the impact yeah. that we have impacts much beyond our city limits, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. so that's just a, a good reminder. Yeah, I loved that. how uh, your church didn't allow any excuses to keep them from trying, you know, give it a, like, hey, what do we have to lose? Let's yeah. just give it a try. So, yeah, and now we are in the line for some grants, you know, we're looking to say, well, how can we get the other side done? Nice. Uh, let's be more deliberate about it. Let's yep. let's hire a local landscape architect and engineer, mm-hmm. help us look at our system it's a little more challenging on the other side because we just have a very narrow um, strip between our building and James Street. Yeah. And so we'd have to think about cisterns. Mm. Uh, there's a cool cistern over at the Lancaster Brewing Company over on East Walnut Street. Yes. That was grant funded. I went and talked to the owner not too long ago to ask about that, how they care for it, you know, what is it, what's involved. Um, but it's just taking the rainwater off their roof and and slow trickling it out in a couple different ways. A little bit of it goes to their their rain garden that's out there where the outside seating is, and uh, hits a splash pan kind of hanging out over the garden and kind of spreads the water around. But then it just trickles it back, and so you know you can't always just capture it and reintroduce it to the earth. You know they don't want to put it underground right there. It's it's a major thoroughfare for the city. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they don't want a sinkhole there. They're right by their building. But if you just trickle it out, you catch, you know, you catch 5,000 gallons and after a few days of rain and then the sun comes out and your little hose feed is like running a little, you know, one gallon a minute or something trickle. That's not impacting the, the storm sewer at all. And the water's just evaporating or. Trickling. Yeah, we got to learn about those things. Yeah, that, so it's, that's the slowdown approach. Right. You know, for the, the, so for the city, the, the biggest bang for the buck is, is, is somehow catching that storm water, slowing it down, holding it up letting it drip down at the earth if you can right. find a way to do it. Or give it another use in your... In or give it another use. You know, yeah. we don't... In America, we don't do much with gray water. Mm-hmm. I had one parishioner I visited in Mountain Millersville, and his basement had like a 10,000-gallon cistern in it. All the all the gutters went into the basement, <laughs> and they did their laundry with that. They flushed their toilets with that. They washed sure. their dishes with that. Um, that was a typical practice probably, you know, decades ago, centuries right. ago. Right, or in a lot of other parts of the world right now. Yeah, but we just use yeah. our precious fresh water. It's so abundant here, we don't right. even think about it. Yeah, but we could be water. using gray water. Andy, let's take a breath sure. and uh, talk about some. Learn a little bit. About let's learn Steve. about Steve yeah. a little bit. All right, so Steve, every every episode we, which is, throw out some questions not usually related to our topic of conversation. Sure. Uh, the the first one is uh, the end of the day. You've had a long day. What is the go to snack and or drink that you have? 
Wow. Well, I had a heart attack in 2015. I pretty, I, you know, surprised the heck out of me. But you know, family history should have should have seen it coming. Um, wow, but I, I, you know, so my favorite snacks are things with sugar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and since I'm from Holland, I was born in Holland. Uh, I, I feel like I have a genetic, um, a real genetic gravitation toward almond paste. We call it marzipan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, almond paste and sugar, anything with that. So that's, there's a, that's a fantastic one. Shout out to my friends at Prince Street Cafe. I've had, I, I've allowed myself maybe three of them. I don't know. I don't know who bakes them. But this is a great almond croissant. Wow! If that was going to be like my, if I had had my last meal and I had <laughs> that to, would be that would be part of it. Yeah, yeah an almond that croissant, a cup of coffee. Yeah, but at the end of a day, you don't want a cup of coffee. So I've been known to have a gin, gin and tonic. My kids bought me a bottle of really great uh, Thistle Finch gin from distilled oh, yeah. right here in Lancaster. Yeah, that's right. So a Lutheran pastor, you know, we 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 don't uh, have those. We don't have too much embarrassment when we meet each other at uh, at the Dipco or. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. At the fridge, <laughs> just as long as you're not overdoing it. Yeah, of course. But uh, so that's that's a little that's mm. a little peek into my snack world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now uh, this is one that actually came up uh, in our conversation before we actually started recording. Is how do you get around this great city? What is what is the way the mode of transportation for you that you would go to? So of course, of course, we have a car. Uh, I, as a pastor, I've got to get around. Yeah, of course. To the nursing homes, you know. Um, but I love to ride my motorcycle. I have an old, uh, I joke that it's, uh, I'm a Lutheran pastor. I have to have a Lutheran motorcycle. So I have an old BMW <laughs> now that I've been restoring. Shout out to my friends at Fingers Crossed Moto over there on Prangley Avenue. <laughs> any, any old Lancastrians will remember the, uh, uh, an old, big old paint shop, old bo- auto body shop over there. Well, now there's, uh, there's some, uh, some very hip young guys over there that have welcomed this old aging Lutheran motorcycle guy over there and we work on our bikes on Tuesday nights. It's, it's an awesome outlet. It gets, gets me a chance to work with my hands and, and keep my favorite mode of transportation. Um, kind of self-maintained now. I feel like I've really, that's been a, a fun little personal growth over the last couple of years to find that group of guys and, uh, and have shop talk and yeah. And How fun. yeah, I do that. But I, I came down here today on my, on my single speed, $80 common wheel, Bicycle, yeah, 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 with red red wheels and yellow, <laughs> a red wheel and a yellow wheel. It's oh, very, yeah. it's, it's it's funny. Yeah, that's great. I like to ride my bike around town or or walk. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, our city a lot. Such a great city for it, all it, that. Yes, our city is great yeah, for that. All of it. <clears throat> um, all right, so it's two more. Uh, the, the superpower, if you had one, mm. if you got, you know, we're in a Marvel movie or in a DC movie, what would be Steve's superpower? Boy. I, I saw that you did prompt me with that question, and it it started making me realize that yeah I really hate questions like that. <laughs> I have a disposition. Okay. I have a disposition <laughs> against. Well, here's where it comes from, because <laughs> I thought you were going to ask what's your favorite this or that, and yeah. my answer to that for probably the last fifteen years, Kath will swear to it is, I hate the idea of favorites. Yeah. Oh, oh no, I, I understand that. It just yeah. to, I don't want to have to choose a favorite color. That that was what we used to say. I mean, okay, green. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I just, <laughs> you got great. me. All the colors are great. Why? Why do I have to have a favorite? Why do I have, to have you a want favorite? All food? the superpowers. I do. I <laughs> do. Just want them all. Or <laughs> yeah. selective. Like there's there's times probably throughout your day where you're like, I want this superpower right. now. I want this one. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know the story about the bishop who had the angel visit, and you know you can or he let the genie out of the bottle, and he said, What you know? Do you want wisdom do you want wealth 
Do you want women? Bishop said, I'll take wisdom. And he looked around at his colleagues when he was telling the story, and they said, well, tell us something wise, Bishop. He said, I should have taken the money. <laughs> so, you know, what you think you what you what think is your favorite thing. Yeah. You know, you can be aspirational about your superpower. You can be aspirational about your favorites. But yeah. I think it's just, yeah. um, I like to, my favorite thing to do is just look around and see what, you know, what what is there? What What is there that I don't know about? Yeah. What favorite thing is there that I haven't even had the chance to experience yet? Right. Maybe yeah. I'll, uh, I mean, I didn't start riding motorcycles until I was 35. Oh, yeah. So... There's always something new to learn. Yeah. So curiosity. Maybe yeah. I would put a shout out to curiosity if I had to. Whoa. If I had I like to. Go. I like need more one. of that. Yes. Superpower. Yeah, yeah we do. A yeah. uh, last question for me, and we'll get we'll, we'll get back to it. Uh, is there a favorite quote um, that's kind of been rattling around in your head that you've been kind of latched onto lately? Something that's just caught your eye? Well, one of the things that I say a lot to my kids, chagrin is in, in mischievous dad mode is the laws of physics apply to you too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all make these bumbles. We all, we all, you know, stub our toe. We all try to do something that can't, you know, try to bring the bicycle in through the back door. You can't, you gotta, you can't. You can't. Or the way <laughs> Dallas, Dallas accept the limitations, to, you know, please. Yeah. Dallas don't make it say so reality is what you run into when you're wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So that's a little quote that uh, that's great that comes out now and then probably <laughs> probably enough times when it shouldn't come out when I should just keep my mouth shut <laughs> and yeah. try to help. That could be but, a superpower. Uh, that would be I could I would take that superpower, Andy. Knowing when to keep my mouth shut. Well, yeah. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, my that, my wife would say the same thing to me. I think sure. yeah. so we might have to edit that part out. <laughs> I don't know. So well, that's so great. Yeah, I I don't drop I don't drop a whole lot of quotes, um, so I that's just yeah. I, no, I I like that one though. It's 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 true. It, it even just little anecdotes like that yeah. are great to yeah. get you through a day sometimes. Yeah, so. they do. They help. Yeah, Steve, as we think about the project, and again, thanks so much for being able to be here and and tell us about this. Is really, I think a lot of the listeners are going to be uh, as surprised as I was by the content that uh, came from your experience and from the Conservancy when they shared this. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to spread the word. But, I, you know, just from a kind of personally, um, and as a fellow theologian, you know, maybe you can uh, even take us in that direction a little bit. You know, how this work grew you? How, what did it, what effect did it have on your theology, your understanding of church, the understanding of God, the understanding of the relationship we have with God, creation, humans. Sure. Well, I think kind of beginning with the reality, as a city pastor, I think we earlier we were talking about the human needs, the human problems, right. the, the human yeah, that's so great. service and stuff, and you realize kind of quickly, um, maybe here's a little quote, you know, the needs of the world are infinite. Mm, yeah. Maybe they're not exactly f yeah. from the point of view of a physicist, but, you know, <laughs> it, it seems from, from, from any single pastor's point of view or congregation's point of view, you're not going to be able to help everybody who needs help. And, and it's just easy to get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and feel paralyzed by that reality. And so how do you pick what, how do you pick what you're going to do? Who gets the help and what sort of thing are you good at? Um, what are you in a good place to do? Yeah. And, in our time, you know, there's been a lot of 
of theological angst about what is the church's really real mission, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my. Um, is it the theological one? Is it the saving souls? Is it the, you know, spiritual guidance? Is it the scriptural interpretation and the theological dogma and making the ecumenical movement maybe or something, you know? Or is it social justice? Easier in one way, you know, let's just yeah. agree, let's put the dogma aside, and, and there were probably lots of quotes about right. that, you know, right. from, from the years of the 60s and 70s and, and those initial forays into ecumenical work. So for me, kind of growing in this is, is kind of the kick in the pants to say, don't get lost in that, all the dogmatic stuff. Don't worry so much about your Lutheranism, or, you know, the, the make, splitting the hairs and all of the stuff that was fun in seminary and that gives you your, um, you know, the courage to kind of go out and do what you're going to do, because there has to be some, some courage <laughs> to yeah. get up in public and talk about God and talk about Jesus and, Right, and make right. assertions, but to say that, that you know the if any if God is real, then the the world, you know the physical world, is a gift. Um, there's just something very irreducible about that, <laughs> and if you can't address that theologically, then you're sort of missing something. You know, yeah. faith and theology can't be so esoteric that it takes us out of the world, yeah, um, out of the trees, out of the water, out of the all this stuff is fundamental to our theology anyway. You yeah, know, the wind is the breath, is the spirit. The the water is the washing of the cleansing of of sin and of heart. And out of the believer's heart shall pour rivers of living water. What does that mean? How can you say that? That's the reading from this week. You know, right? Uh, coming up for Pentecost, um, it's the grammar of our faith is is water and air. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's been a bit the, the kind of permission to take that seriously. IPC saying, hey, we're getting churches to. Organize around this work, uh, taking care of the the world, handing on a a, a more reasonable uh, yeah. place to live to the next generation. Yeah, I I also I loved as you're telling the story. You know, um, in my imagination, I've pictured your congregation having fun together, exploring together, curious together, with the interfaith partners. You know, the same kind of interdependence, mm-hmm. relationship building. Um, I think oftentimes we have these views of God, particularly as Americans, that either God has just left it to us to do this on our own, and God is up there in the, his favorite part, heaven, and usually it's his favorite part. Yeah. Um, and I think what I, I was hearing you describe is that if I were to name where it felt to me this is where God was. It was in the joy of the interconnection and the joy of the discovery and the curiosity that God was equally having a great time with Grace Lutheran Church as you were working through this. I mean, did I did I get that? Well, I hope so. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I you know there's a there's a core of folk at Grace that are deeply invested in that. There's people out there sitting on their can, literally a can or a five gallon bucket. Um, their can on a can, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, d- doing, you know, pulling out the weeds and the dandelions from the, trying to tell the invasive species from the from the weeds and yeah, or the the uh, native species from the weeds, um, and just you know pouring out a sweaty afternoon. We have people taking care of beehives on our church roof, and figuring out, you know, how. The, I mean, it's fun to see them realize. Oh, the kids were at a. We had a committal today in our church memorial garden where we have this nice water feature that I had talked about. 
and some of the great grandchildren were there and they're like, look, look at the bees, look out bees. And then I said, no, look, just what are they doing? And they, the bees were just drinking, you know, and you could see that you could see the, the bees just coming and going. I mean, they're making honey, they're sniffing all the flowers, but they need water. In the city, where do you get water yeah. if you're a bee? Yeah. You know, so it was a, it's a beautiful little oasis. It was a chance to teach. It was a chance to see the, you know, kids are like, I'm afraid of bees. Yeah, bees are bad. Sure. Um, you know, they sting me. So, you know, make friends with bees. It was a neat little moment. So that's just one little way, I think, you, where you can see the connections start to happen and, and people having fun. And, no, yeah. you've got beehives, and they start looking around. Right. Uh, but, yeah, you could do that in the city. Yeah. I don't know what the honey tastes like. <laughs> Dogs be on the flowers, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love that you're doing this at, at your church, because it sort of gives an incredible God blessing to those kinds of things that we think yeah. that God has just... Put. I think people think it's cool that yeah. their church is doing yeah. They're proud of it. Know, you know, we were on the water walk. They tell their friends, and they, you know, they might not have anything to do with it, having you know to do anything with the idea of it or the execution of it. That was all a lot of professionals. Uh, it wasn't. You get out in the country, you can kind of do it yourself. But when you're in the city, there's a lot of regulations. And right. Who's putting these pipes together, and how are they yeah. going to? You know, they're going to yeah. be here in forty or fifty yeah. years. That's true. Uh, but but watching it happen, and the support for it, if if people's faith is reflected in their generosity has been wonderful. Mm. So mm. I'll, I'll say thank you to the folks at Grace if any of you are listening to this podcast anywhere down the line. Well, I hope they are because yeah. we're proud of them. Well, like we're really proud of them. We hope that this continues to be an inspiration to uh, faith communities all over yeah. the city because we have, uh, we've got, like we said a minute ago, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of work to do. We talk about maturity a lot here. Um, that we want to be a community that helps people just become mature because God knows we need that in our society at the moment. Mm. And one of those marks of maturity is that we begin to see life through the eyes of the kingdom. And I think you and your church are modeling that really well and helping us to see things as uh, as God sees them, as you see them. And uh, I hope it continues to inspire us as we all grow together. I've been amazed at how the congregation has responded when the needs are presented in ways that make sense. Right. You know, there, there is, it's possible. Maybe, maybe my superpower is having a little courage to try a new idea. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But, you know, well, why not buy a house? If you're worried about the neighborhood, let's buy a house. We can afford a house. You know, we're 500 people. Everybody chipping a little, we can buy a house. What do we do with a house? Well, there's a great ministry. It's called Bridge of Hope. They help, women and children coming out of transitional living or prison or, yeah. you know, halfway addiction recovery. Let them worry about that. We'll just take care of the house and, and somebody else can be helped by that. And, and all of a sudden we have a housing ministry, <laughs> you know, somebody knocks on the door and says, I need a place for a meeting. We're trying to have a recovery meeting. So yeah. can we use our uh, big Sunday school room for that? Sure. Why not? Yeah. And, and, because I live at the church, maybe that helps. I don't know. We have, uh, I don't live in the church. I live in a very nice house <laughs> yeah. um, designed by some other architect. <laughs> uh, but right right on the corner of Christian Street and James. So, you know, our congregation knows we're there. So I'm not asking them to do something that I'm not mm-hmm. kind of able to take ownership of or be in the presence of or 
face the consequences of. So I, I love uh, I love parsonage life. I know a lot of my colleagues have have moved on to the equity, the equity building of right. uh, home ownership, which I don't. I'm yeah. not, not judgmental at all. I just, uh, my congregation had a parsonage, so I'm building equity some other way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it certainly uh, has. I mean, one of the things that I've recognized yeah. through the years is that uh, you and Grace are just neighbors. I mean, neighbor comes to mind because yeah. that neighborhood that you're in is your parish, and uh, you, really got, you really do it well. Thank you, Dan. Well, so, it's an honor to be here talking yeah, with you guys you about bet. ministry and, and the world and stormwater yeah. and all kinds of other things. Yeah, I hope we, do, hope we do more. <laughs> so. Congratulations on your on your program. This is a great, a great yeah, industry. It's idea. a lot of fun. We're yeah. getting to meet some really cool people. Yeah. I'll do I will share this one last thing and I'll pitch it over to you, Andy. That uh when I was at seminary, our class got to go around and visit a couple uh different congregations and meet some other pastors and or just a few of them. But uh we all got to go to Steve's church and meet Steve and it was on the walk back. Places? Yeah, on the walk back, people were like, He he's like the coolest pastor. So he got the <laughs> he got the uh reputation of being the coolest pastor in Lancaster. Yeah. So, yeah. That was even before you knew he rode a motorcycle. Probably so, right. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that just kinda sealed it after that. So <laughs> Well, Steve, thanks for joining us on this episode. Thank you all for joining us out there. Remember uh, to subscribe, to share our podcast, Walk with the Wise, here along with First Presbyterian Church. Find uh, more information about us, fpclancasterpa.org. We'll see you next time.